0: What if i get rejected and i looked at them and i said i honestly and genuinely hope that you do because the reason i hope that is because when you get rejected you're getting redirection and then all of a sudden you're going to start bringing people into your life that really elevate who you are and who you're becoming
1: happy thursday everybody welcome back to another episode of the thinking project podcast i have an amazing guest for you today but before i dive into that make sure that you hit the subscribe button you hit the follow button leave a review, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. Because as you know, there are no sponsors helping me help you helps me uh, that crazy loop. And of course, if you're in business or sales and you want to get better at honing your skills, you can join my empathetic selling solutions, mastermind group, where you learn everything, business development, sales, negotiation, training, all that good stuff. So with all that being said, let me introduce Carolyn Williams, who was an amazing guest today. She has an amazing story. In fact, undercover substitute teacher and that experience was just wild in and of itself learning about the ins and outs of what our high school kids go through every day and she uh, has a great nonprofit that she works with Howard Parr another former guest of the show called PQ she also does a lot of speaking events so if you're into all of that you'll want to stay tuned reach out to Carolyn she's always more than willing to help and with all that being said thank you so much and enjoy the show I'll see you on the other side All right, Carolyn, we're rolling. Thanks so much for being here.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Dalton. I'm excited (laughs) to be here.
1: I know. I say that every time. It's like my intro. I'm going to get a shirt that says, thanks for being here. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, but here's the question of the day to start. I heard, uh, talked with Inger, talked with a few people. Tell me about uh, undercover substitute teaching.
0: Oh, I would love (laughs) to tell you about that. So my background is in corporate HR. So I was working for a company out of Boston and I had done learning and development. I've been in recruiting. So the learning development space, recruiting space, that was my bread and butter. And so they needed some help with the recruiting side of things because we were in a peak recruiting uh, season. And I thought, awesome, I love this stuff. I love talking to people. So jumped on and I started interviewing these young college graduates and it was, so wild to me because we're starting this conversation, just the initial phone screen interview, and three people in three different states for three different positions all threw up on their initial screening interview. And I thought, what is happening? Love muffins, what is happening? I just wanna get to know you. I just wanna hear more about your experience. I just wanna hear more about you. And I thought, I have never seen this in the history of my career and I have so many questions. And so curiosity killed my corporate career. And so I became a substitute teacher, went through the entire process in a few different districts. And I just started going into these schools because I want to understand what's going on in the structure of the school system, because that's really the launching pad into adulthood and gives them a framework of how to navigate and how to move. where are the gaps? What's happening? What's going on? So I interviewed hundreds of these young people, observed thousands of them. And I asked them about their social media. I asked them about if you had an assignment to meet three new people in person, what's your knee-jerk response? I asked them, how do you feel about conflict? How do you feel about communication? How do you feel like you make friends? And it was so disheartening to hear some of their responses because they The one, the individuals that I interacted with, most of them really struggled with self-confidence and they really struggled with the, the thought of failure and they, they didn't even want to try because they were too scared to fail. And I was like, you're, you're, you're sinking your ship before it even gets out of the dock friends. Like what? So we had, we had really good conversations and I just am amazed at the the contrast in how you and I went to school in a very different environment versus what these young people currently are going through and the, the contrast mm. between what is available and what's going on.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's crazy that that uh, the paradox of like being so scared that you t- and thinking you might fail actually leads to why you failed. Right when you would have just like just been yourself you probably would have been okay
0: you would have been awesome you would yeah. have been awesome because people need you there is no duplicate of you out there and so uh-huh. why don't go let go let your light shine friends go let it shine and if people <laughs> are going to throw shade that's their problem not yours you just go do yeah. your thing and spread light and love to the world and people are going to come to you like you will attract the right people in your life
1: yeah. and Well, I think that's, I think that's funny. You mentioned some of the stuff that are being taught in school. Can you dive a little bit deeper into like what you think is a big contributing factor to this?
0: Cell phones. (laughs) Oh, cell phones. I mean,
1: tell me, tell me more. That's crazy. Tell me more.
0: So there were certain schools who had a cell phone policy and then there were certain schools that did not have a cell phone policy.
1: Like cell phone policy, like you're not allowed to have them in the school or like what?
0: You're not allowed to have them out during class. So if it's between okay, breaks okay. or it's your lunch, totally fine. But yeah, if it's yeah, yeah, during sure. class, you need to put it there away. There were some
1: schools. There were some schools that didn't have a cell phone policy where, like, you walk into class and like people had were on their cell phones.
0: Oh, totally. Mm-hmm.
1: No way. No way. It,
0: it was mind blowing to me, and it, it's just like <laughs> literally, Dalton.
1: Whoa.
0: I was shocked because the the schools that did not have a cell phone policy i i mean i had hand i have handwritten notes for days i mean it was just you know this class period this many students and i just started writing all of my observations about how people were interacting or were not interacting most of the time when they had their cell phones out their heads were completely down just in their cell phone and nobody else existed and so i interrupted the class and i was like so can you tell me what's the beef? Like, why are you guys always on your cell phones? And they just kind of looked at me like, this is normal. Like, what, a, who are you? Who are you to say that this is otherwise? And I'm like, listen, I'm not, I'm just purely curious as to why the cell phone is so much more alluring than talking to someone who's literally next to you. Because listen, I was a kid in class They got moved all of the time, because I would not stop talking to my neighbor. And God bless all of my teachers. I, because I was that kid, but I would be like, Psst, "What's your name? What do you like to do? Want to hang out at lunch?" You know, like that's what I would do. But like, right. kids are so, so sucked in. And
1: so you're so you're telling me that the teachers and the faculty at these schools didn't have a rule that like, if the teacher is like teaching something or presenting a lecture, that there was no rule that prevented them from being on their cell phones. So
0: some teachers did have that. But the tricky okay, thing some is, is that there was a disconnect between administration and the teachers. And so because That's it wasn't wild. a, a school wide policy, some of the students were like, well, it's not for everybody, you know? And so like, they would kind of just be really flippant about it.
1: Holy crap. So you're saying, so now you're talking about this bleeding into, um, and what grade were you teaching, by the way? Was it, it was like high school? It was all high school. So mm-hmm. like everybody above like the age of 14 or something like that?
0: Uh, yeah. Ninth graders and up.
1: Okay. I can't remember how old you have to be. Yeah. Nine like nine 14, 15 ish. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's crazy. That's so crazy. So you're saying a big contributor to this was was, um, was people being in like on their phones, like always sucked into technology, is a big reason why they can't talk to people. Oh, <laughs> it makes sense. Yes. yes. Well, and then
0: so I even crazy. asked. I was like, so I was with these four different gals, and um, it was during one of my prep periods, so I just jumped into another class and. I went and I talked to the teacher and I said, hey, this is what I'm doing. Are you okay if I just kind of hang out in your class and just observe? And she was like, totally, that's great. Like, cool. And so I started chatting with these four different gals and I said, hey, can I ask you some questions? And they're like, uh, okay. And I said, if you were given an assignment in this class to go meet three new people in person, what's your knee jerk response? And it ranged from absolutely not, to I'm not the right body type. I don't have the right phone. They're going to think I'm weird. And so it we just went through like all of these mental acrobatics. And I said, okay, thank you for sharing that. How many of you walked the halls alone? And every single one of them raised their hand. And I said, okay, so what if someone came up to you and said, hey, I haven't met you yet. What's your name? What's your knee-jerk response? And They said i would be so honored they want to get to know me that's so kind i would love that and i lost it dalton i like slammed my hand on the table i was like ladies this is no different do you mean to tell me that you would rather outsource your happiness to a complete stranger than take radical ownership of your own happiness and just go say hey i haven't met you yet what's your name and they're like well what if I get rejected? And I looked at them and I said, I honestly and genuinely hope that you do because the reason I hope that is because when you get rejected, you're getting redirection. And then all of a sudden you're going to start bringing people into your life that really elevate who you are and who you're becoming. And you mean to tell me that after 24 no's, you're not going to find your ride or die, buddy? You were outside your mind. And I <laughs> This one gal, she like, she had braids and a hat on, she had her chains, and she threw herself back in her chair. And she said, you guys, she is speaking facts right now. And I was like, mm, I'm so glad you heard me, sister. I'm so glad you heard me because like, you can go be like the captain of your ship. You can go make friends. You just have to say, hey, I haven't met you yet. What's your name? Oh my gosh, I love your hair today like whatever the icebreaker is, it doesn't matter. It's the fact that you're doing an icebreaker to get to the next level of interaction of like, what are your interests? What did you do over the weekend? I mean, it was just like, they would not have it, Dalton. They would not have it.
1: That's crazy because I was, we were talking about this before, um, and I've mentioned this on a couple other podcast episodes, but I do a scholarship for entrepreneurs at my alma mater high school in Keokuk, Iowa really small town and the very first challenge of the so it's not a normal scholarship like when i was designing this i didn't want it to be like write an essay or tell me what or pre- write show me a business plan or any of that i wanted it to, to be like like how do you be an entrepreneur and the very first challenge that i do for the scholarship is the rejection challenge and whoever gets the most rejections wins that week and to and to get the scholarship you have to win the most wings. And I was like, and I designed this very intentionally. I was like, you the first re the the first thing you have to do is go get rejected as many times as you can. Go ask your teacher for a better grade. Go ask your teacher to leave early to go hang out with your friends. Like go when you're at when you're at Walmart, go ask for a 10% discount and don't tell them why. You can't tell them that you're in this crazy entrepreneur scholarship. You just have to ask, right? Like, uh ask the, you know Ask the girl out on a date that you've always wanted to ask, but then, but then, be respectful. No is a no, <laughs> okay. But like, you know, take chances. Like, take chances, take risks. Go out there and get people to tell you no as many times as you can. And if you, and and then I tell him like, if you start finding people are saying yes really easy, I was like, that's a good thing. But then just start making your request crazier. Like you need to get comfortable with people telling you no, because that that's just the world, right? Like you can't surrounded people with yes, man. We've seen that movie with Jim Carrey and it was, his life was terrible.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And, it's, <laughs> and I, I really appreciate that approach because it's showing them the reality of entrepreneurship. No's happen all of the time. And if you reframe it of like, no, is a not yet for my next sale, then awesome. It's like, okay, that one was a not yet. And I'm going to circle back, Uh, you know, maybe in six months, two years, whatever, because things change and people evolve and needs fluctuate. And so it's okay to get a no and think, great, it's a not yet. I'll get that 10% discount somewhere else. Uh, Don't mind if I do. Right.
1: Right. Well, and what's funny is like with the no's like that is like, it just opens your mind up to maybe like, you have to get really creative now on how you go back and ask again. So like it gets your thought, you know, get your thoughts going again. It, it creates resiliency, which I think is like probably the most important thing that in my opinion, after being in the high, just a one high school that I work in, uh, with the scholarship, just like resiliency, like nobody, like Oh, they told me, no, it's the end of the world. Like, dude, it's not that actually you're in a high school. My high school had 500 kids total in it, 400 kids total in it. Right. Like that's not the whole entire world. right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you'll be okay. And uh, I think we're just missing a lot of resiliency. What do you think about that? Did you see, I mean, is that kind of go along the same thread that you were exploring?
0: Yes. I, there's a lot of um, people call call that snowflakes or like they're being a snowflake or they're being soft and really at the end of the day i think that these young people yeah are I, being... I wouldn't
1: say that i wouldn't say that but i mean like i mean i wouldn't call them snowflakes but i would say like anyway go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt you
0: yeah no i just think that there's a lot of um a lot of fingers being pointed at this generation of like oh you're not resilient or you're not this or you're not that and these young people are having their brains develop. I mean, so my question is, where's the parents? Where's the parents income to teach your young person resiliency? How are you setting them up to experience failure in a safe environment? Because there were I I was at a teacher lunch and I said, "Hey, can I come hang out with you? You all for your lunch." And they're like, "Oh, of course, come on over." I'm like, oh, "You all are so nice. Thanks." And Every single one of them, I asked them a question was like, what, what's your biggest pain point? And in unison, they said, the parents. And I was like, unpack that for me. Why? And they're like, they think their kid deserves an A simply because they have a certain last name or because they come from a certain family or they're in a certain neighborhood. And so if I didn't have to deal with these helicopter entitled parents, my class would be fundamentally different because I would have the bandwidth to actually invest in these young people in a way that they aren't being invested in, but their parents are taking so much of my time and energy and resources that I can't do that. And so I think that we need to have a recalibration on taking an intrinsic uh, evaluation on our parenting and how we're treating these young people because failure is not an identity. It's an experience. And so, these young people are taking it on as I'm a failure. I'm terrible. I'm this, I'm that. Like, no, you are not. You're a human being and you're learning and you're growing. And if you experience failure, I am so proud of you for trying. I'm so proud of you for getting out of your comfort zone. I'm so proud of you that you were willing to flex your skill set and try to expand it. And so the resiliency part of that comes from a lack of reinforcements with adults. So whether that's parents, aunts, uncles, wherever like the home center is, we need to have a serious inventory on where we're supporting our kids in experiencing failure and building that resiliency. Because I I can't even tell you how many people called when I was in HR um, to ask about their child's benefits. And I was like, Okay, so did you talk to your child about their benefits? So like no, they just said that they got their benefits package and I just want I just had more questions. I was like, why don't you talk to your young person about that and teach them how to like look through it instead of just coming through HR's door like a bat out of hell thinking that your child should have like additional benefits that oh
1: wait can. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. you're talking about like like their Full child, but like their their child is an employee an employee
0: is an adult like they're 18 plus
1: so whoa an adult. dude why didn't they ask you just be like or like hey hr I read through this can you help can you explain this to me yeah. I have, this is my first job
0: yeah see, and that's, yeah sure let me all, sit down <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like oh my goodness and there are there are don't get me wrong there are lots of people who do that yeah. and i'm so grateful that they're like hey carolyn i don't understand this benefit help me understand how this works why this works why it's important and i'm like oh Love that for us. Let's chitter chat about that. But it's the parents who um, have like this overprotective helicopter parenting style, that they're not even willing to sit down and chat with their kid who is over 18 um, and walk them through some of the package. It's like, this is a PDF. And like, we literally had a benefits orientation and walked through all of this. And Every single time I say, if you have questions, I know this is a lot of information. So when you have questions, come talk to me. I just want to make sure that you have all of the cards and so that it can fit your personal circumstance. But some of these parents are just coming through, like, uh, and then all of this, like, uh, why didn't my kid get a raise?
1: (laughs) Why didn't my kid get a raise? I would have been like, I I would have been like, I would have been like, something's wrong with the connection ma'am click i'd have been like if you have a problem with that that's your job not me what are you talking about that's bananas oh my goodness carolyn 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 you gotta answer something for me these are these are real stories you're telling me real life
0: oh you talk to any hr professional that's been in there over five plus years these are these are a dime a dozen a dime a dozen i don't even
1: think i i wouldn't call my mom for that because my mom would beat the hell out of me for asking. Like, why are you asking me? I don't know. Call your freaking, my mom would literally tell me, she'd be like, call your freaking boss and talk to them. Like I was like, so I don't know. I just always like, and I don't know. I've never just, I've never do. Why do you think, do people just get shamed for asking questions? I've never been shamed for asking a question to HR like that or like my boss, like, Hey, I don't understand this part of my pay plan. Can you help me? And they explained it to me. I'm like, oh, okay. Now, like, do I like it or not like it? That's not part of the, I mean, that's a different conversation, right? But like, just being able to ask and like ha- open that conversation. That's crazy. That's yes. so I crazy. Mean,
0: it's so, I think that, I mean, it's so multi-dimensional uh, in the sense of how these young people are being raised. I mean, technology is here to stay and it's not going anywhere. And especially d- living through a global pandemic where everybody went online. Everybody is now in this hyper tech world. And so there were even times when I was subbing and they're like, everything's on Canva, canvas. Whatever. Um, can- yeah. Canvas,
1: canvas, whatever. Yeah. I know. I know what you're yeah. talking about.
0: Yeah. And um, so then they're in like this room isolated on their device. And I thought, forget this. I was like, everybody shut your laptops. I have questions. <laughs> and I was like, I'll give you 30 minutes. But I know that it's not going to take you that long. I looked at the assignment, like you got 30 minutes and we're shutting the laptops. And they're like, okay. And I was like, we're going to circle the wagons here. I've got questions. And they're like, okay. And they were pleased as punch to answer my questions. They were like, I remember walking into the office and I had, well, I had, I had spoken with this young man, um, the day before, and I was just in the main office and I was like, oh, Hey, we'll call him John hey, John. And um, I was like, this this young man was so helpful in answering some of my questions yesterday. And he looked at me and he's like, Mrs. Williams, thanks for simply asking and caring. And I thought, well, how, how often are these young people getting asked questions? How often are we engaging them in a face-to-face conversation instead of texting? What's up? How you doing? What's going on?
1: Yeah. Do you think now for real, do you think you mentioned parents before this? I have just never experienced a parent like this. I mean, I, I've like, I don't know, every once in a while, maybe one parent or two, but I, I've never really experienced like a real helicopter parent, mainly because like the parents that I hang out with, like, I guess some of them would give me some like fl- I grew up Polynesian household, right? So like, it's very much not like that. Like ask, you know what I mean? Like we've got stuff to do. Like we got to figure this out. And uh, so I just don't, I can't wrap my brain around how, why a parent would pick up the phone for their 25 year old son to call their boss about a raise. I would be so embarrassed. I would be so embarrassed. Is that wrong? Is that, I mean, I mean, look, I I don't know if I'm, I'm my aim in all of this is not to like shame anybody, but that's just, I've never experienced something like that. So it just, I can't wrap my head around the reality of that situation.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a dynamic, uh, water to navigate because you obviously don't want to offend the parent. They're, they're looking out for their child, That they're less than a decade into a corporate setting. So they're trying (laughs) to like help them navigate that.
1: Well, and if a parent hasn't ever experienced like a corporate job or like a big boy, I don't know, that's probably not the right phrase, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like a big, like working for a startup is not like working at a at your local, you know what I mean? Local CPA firm where your boss, you know, you've known your boss for 20 years outside of work. And so if you need to leave one day, he's super understanding, right? Like that's not this job. (laughs) I think many of them might not have experienced that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot of like generational trauma that just keeps getting passed down because I mean, like you and I were millennials and we were labeled as the participation trophy generation And yet an entire generation didn't come flying out of the womb saying, give me a prize. I'm here. Like that's a learned behavior. And so that's a direct reflection on the generation before us because they didn't feel seen. They didn't feel appreciated. They didn't feel validated in what they were doing. And so they're like, Oh, this next generation, my kids, they're going to be seen. They're going to be appreciated. They're going to get the first place, even if they were barely in the race, you know? And it's one of those things of, It's this, I I really genuinely believe that there is partially a generational trauma that keeps getting passed on that if we can name it to, to recalibrate it, then all of a sudden we're going to have a very different experience for these young people. Because I mean, millennials, I mean, if you're a human being, you have trauma, like that's just what it is. And so, um, but it's being aware of what that is and how can you name it to tame it as Daniel Siegel has coined. And then like, then don't pass it on. Like you get to re retrain your brain, you get to retrain your behavior. And so I think, again, it's so multi-dimensional with, with what's going on with parents and technology and Mm -hmm. COVID and like, there's just so much, so much
1: happening. Yeah. And you know, what's, you know, what's crazy is like the hardest thing for me, I have two kids. My daughter is in kindergarten right now. No, she's in first grade, excuse me. She's in first grade. And she's a little bit slower, like learning to read and stuff like that. But I will I, like in my brain, like, that's like, we need to practice reading with her more. I would never call the teacher and be like, why does my daughter suck at reading? <laughs> like, and and then like, I just reflect on my past experiences. I'm like, no, she's not. I'm like, this is what I tell my wife. Cause my wife gets really concerned and like teachers order. I go, no, this was me. I was like, she's not behind. We just learn different. Right. I'm like, just relax. Like, in in a couple months, it'll click and she'll be right back on track with everybody. It's not a big deal. But like, I would never call the teacher and be like, why don't you do this? Like, I'd be like, No, my daughter just needs to read. Like, my I I I came from like the really this really high, like radical empathy where I'm like, How why would the teacher have time for like she's got 40 students? And like, and half of her class was Spanish speaking. So she worked with a Spanish teacher to like help right like spanish teaching aid so i'm like i couldn't imagine being that teacher so i need to like teach my daughter how to read like i have to be involved in my child's education right like i can't just offshore my child's learning like it's got to be me at some point i don't know that was like a natural thought to me because like i had such a hard time in school that it was like but i knew but like but now i'm like you know, 29 and I go, I've, I've got it. Right. So like, it just takes time, right? Like when you're four, like your first grade spelling quiz is not your whole life. You'll be fine. We're going to, we can fail one time or five times or 10 times. You know what I mean? It's not that big of a deal. We'll, we'll get there. We'll be okay. (laughs) I just, yeah, it's okay. Like, and, and being slow or something like that. Like I've never seen any of that as an issue. Like we all just learn differently. And like, Right. Like if if I learned to read 10 years later than you do, but we're reading the same book, so it doesn't really matter because now we're here. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we're we're learning.
0: Well, and um, my sister-in-law, she's a teacher and uh, she teaches second grade and she has parents lining her. I mean, she has so many emails she has to go through of like what's going on with my kid and what's happening and what's going on here. And then take your kid
1: out and teach him yourself.
0: Right. Right.
1: I and don't know.
0: I don't know. I chatted <laughs> with, another, I chatted with a, a student teacher. I was like, listen, you're coming in at this in a very dynamic climate temperature check right now. Why are you doing this? And he was like, honestly, Carolyn, I dropped out of high school and I, um, I hated it. I thought it was the worst thing ever. And then I, I had a really unique experience and now he wants to be a high school principal, ultimately. And I was like, you went from a high school dropout to wanting to be a high school principal? He was like, I just don't want any of my students when I get there to ever feel like they can't do it. I don't I want them to know that I believe in them personally and I will get to know them and I will believe in them and push them. And so I was like, well, what's the trickiest part of, of teaching right now? And he said, Parents need to pick a lane. They either need to parent their child or they need to teach their child. And I chose teaching, so they need to choose parenting. (laughs) (laughs)
1: And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> for oh. real though for real though that's bananas Whoa. to me like like i don't know my daughter's six and sometimes my wife or like her friends like will be like you're really hard on her and i'm like listen i love my daughter more than anything and that's why i have to do this like i i don't and i tell and i never understood this and the words coming out of my mouth were the same words that came out of my parents mouth so it just tastes like venom coming out but it's like i i don't enjoy like doing some of the things that I have to do, but you have to learn how to be like a productive member of society and like, and not a public nuisance. And so I have to teach you that like certain things are not okay, that you have to do certain things on your own. And as much as it sucks for me to like, see this, like there's only one, there's only one way. Like I cannot, I can't give you the things you need. Cause yeah, I don't think that like, I would never call somebody a snowflake. I never really enjoyed that term. Because I was like, I get why there's certain things. Like, I get why parents do this. I get why kids do this, right? I understand. But like, at the end of the day, one of my favorite, like, when I, when I coach salespeople, is one of, the favorite, one of the things I love to teach, like, very first is like, excuses taste so good because they're so true. Like, I totally get it, dude. You grew up poor. You didn't have any money. Your parents didn't give it to you. You're, you saw your buddy get VC money and you didn't. That's all true. But like, what do you, but like, what do you want me to do about it? What what are you going to do? Like, there's nothing you can do about it. Right.
0: Right. What are you going to do? I mean, that's actually, there's like, so
1: right. And, and it's so true. And you're And I tell people, I'm like, you're totally right, dude. Like my, you know, I like tell my daughter, I go, look, we are, we're learning a little bit slower. You got to wear glasses. All of these things might not be fun. I totally. And they suck. I totally get that. Right. Right now they suck. But like, there's nothing you can do about it. We have to keep going. And I'm trying to teach this to my (laughs) six-year-old and my my wife's like, you're not in a motivational speech with Ed Milette, dude, you're, you're with your six-year-old. And I'm like, yeah, but she's got to know that like, and these kids is the same thing. I'm like, dude, I'm like, that's crazy. So tell me what, so, so you've kind of gone through these experiences, right? We've kind of, you've kind of like pinpointed down, like parents aren't, you know, but so like, but like, let's talk about this. Right. So like, parents probably won't ever do this to their kids. So like, what do we do as a society to help like nurture these children? Is there something we can do to help or what?
0: You know, I, it was actually on my first day. So when I, I was like, actually so amped to go. And then my first day of substitute teaching came and uh, I was driving to the high school and I was like, oh my word, I'm gonna get eaten alive. I am terrified. This is gonna be the worst experience. What did I do to myself? And I was like, Carolyn Gale, you focus up like, you are an adult. You can do this. And so I get up there and I just throw myself immediately under the bus. And I said, hello, everyone. I'm Mrs. Williams. Today, um, a a fun fact, I quit my six-figure corporate job to come hang out with high schoolers. So if you would be gentle on me as today is my first day in the history of ever substitute teaching, I would really appreciate it. And their responses ranged from like, Literally, uh, like the entire class started clapping. They're like, "That's what we like to see, Mrs. Williams." To like, what in the world are you doing? Like, you're such an idiot. And I was like, uh, "Pardon, that is fake news. I am actually very intelligent." And I was like, "So, as I've like observed, tell me this." And I looked at this young man, blonde hair, blue eyes, such a such a darling kid. And I said, um, "Riddle me this." my understanding is all that teenagers really want is to be seen, loved, and mentored. Tell me I'm wrong. And he said, I wish more people understood that. I was like, that's what we need, that's what we need. But like love comes in different ways. Like tough love is important and compassion is important and expectations are important. And so it's like expanding what love means in this adult teen relationship of trying to build you up and trying to take you to the next level and having like another group of people, they're like, we think that school's totally optional. I was like, excuse me, what? They're like, well, ever since- People? everything Students? Oh, students are like, like, school's optional. I was like-
1: Whoa, man, that's crazy. That's crazy.
0: That's a big disconnect from like, Adulthood, because lots of things are not optional. You're going to have to pay your bills. You to have to pay your taxes. You're going to have to show up to work to pay for those things. And if you don't show up to work, then all of a sudden you're going to crumble, and it's going to be a bad time. And so there's disconnect there because expectations during some really formative years for them um, were not in place. And obviously, people did the best they could with the resources they had. And honestly. Bless all of the the educators out there who hustled and who got things where they needed to go because I honestly feel like educators are genuine heroes. Like they interact with these people. And the best part is, is when I was there and kids were walking in and they like groaned like, oh, we have a sub. And I was like, oh yes, your teacher's killing it. Like they're they're connecting with you. They love you. They have like expectations for you. Like it made me so happy. And I was like, that's the best part of my day. And they're like, what? And I was like, that means your teacher's killing
1: it. Love that for you. I never, I never blame teachers. I always thought teachers were just in a hard point when I, when, when I realized, so like, I feel like two things can be true at the same time. Right. I didn't feel like it was the teacher's fault at all. I felt like it was the school administrators. Cause I don't know. I had an experience one time where I, it was crazy. I was selling cars way back in the day and I saw a teacher come in to buy a car. And it was the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen. Like, had to get her dad there to help her, like couldn't get the car she wanted, had to get the one she needed, which is not a bad thing, but it was just like, you, cause I got to see how much she made and it was like 35, 40 grand or something like that. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. And the reason I said that was because the day before, I'm not going to say what school district it was uh, because then somebody might know who I'm talking about and I don't want that. But like there, it was the, it was the um, district president or something, head of the district. I don't know. What are they called? I don't know. The school district, head of the school district, president of the school district, whatever. And this dude was buying a car for his kid. And I saw his, his what he made in the same district. It was six figures. And I was like, I was like, stop it right now. I'm like, what do you do for a living? He's like, oh, I just, you know, I was like his job. It It was like not a frontline worker. And I was like, I'm like, so I never blamed teachers after that because I used to, but then I was like, no, it's the administration. Like, how is this dude making six figures buying a little baby Benz for his daughter? And I just saw yesterday this teacher come in, right. And couldn't do any, you know what I mean? And it was just, so I was so, I was so mad. I was like, I was so pissed. And I don't know if every school administrator makes six figures. I don't know if that goes for every district. I'm sure it doesn't. This was my experience with two people in the same district. And I was super pissed. (laughs) And I was like, and I was like, why aren't the school administrators doing more to support these teachers? Like, I know you can, like, I know you can.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if there's like, quote unquote, someone to blame. I think it's like, It was all hands on deck. And I mean, even like seeing... I get um, it. I hear you. Just like seeing even parents, like they were barely surviving. I mean, all of a sudden you go from like, you have your routines, you have like everything in place and then earth literally shuts down. You can't even go to the grocery store on a normal day. And it's like, all of a sudden everything was so radically disrupted and everybody internally was also disrupted. And so... I think, I don't know if there's a, I think everybody's, um, responsible for elevating each other. And so, so so it's really important that like, regardless of job title, regardless of salary, regardless of whatever that is, it is important to hold our young people and especially ourselves as an example of what radical accountability looks like, of what experiencing failure looks like. I'm like, you know what, this was, this was a rough face plant for me today. And I want you to know about it. And I want you to know that it's okay to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and get back in there. And that's the only way that we learn and grow is if we just, we have to be in the arena and we have to go after it because nobody's going to hand you what you need or what you want on a silver platter. You have to show up. You need to be accountable. And you need a, you need a mentor too. And so how can we show up for each other and how can we show up for these young people to really help right. that?
1: And I, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I love that because I think a big part of growing for young people is, and I'm not just saying this. I just want to, I, I want P, I want you to know people to know that I'm, I'm like trying to practice what I preach because of my scholarship. There's three, there's four weeks. Three of them are like for the contest. One of them, I tell people, I'm like, this is not part of the contest. You're not going to get any points for doing anything. But the last week is the do something good challenge, right? It's like you have to like, you have to do, I'm like, if you don't do it, that's the only way you lose the week is if you don't do anything. But you have to do something good for somebody else who doesn't know you're doing it, right? Like they can't know you're doing this for an event or anything like that. You have to go do something good. Because I feel like that's another good piece of like, uh, growth for people like, and and I mean, obviously in this case, there's a little bit, there's quite a bit of money on the line. Right. But like, um, eventually I, I feel like that's part of learning, right? Like eventually you do like, you are taught a principle and there's consequences attached to it in order for you to like, learn that eventually there's actually no consequences But right. But you got to start with something, right? Like you got to start teaching good things with something. And so I guess you're right. Like, yeah, you made me think on that one. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really do any good to blame people. I just got real pissed. That was when I was super fiery. I was just, I just got so pissed. I was like, dude. And then I got mad when everybody was blaming the teachers. I was like, dude, it's not the teacher's fault. Like I I genuinely don't believe, I believe that I believe I'm in your camp. Right. But it's just, and, and then you just realize you know, you made me think, you just like, you just realize how hard it is for everybody all around. And so, yeah, why don't we just like take a minute to like really empathize with each other and then just realize that none of us really did this to anybody, but like it happened. And so we just got to move forward. I think that's a really hard principle, principle for people to learn and to accept like that. Yeah, dude, a bunch of people messed you up and we can fix that. Like we can fix people's mindset. So, and we can change the way people think but I don't think it's, I, I think it's through this, right. I think it's through this radical accountability and acceptance that you might, it might not be your fault, but it's still your, your responsibility. Exactly. And that's just, and that's just life, dude. That's just like, is. I got a lot of, I got a lot of shit. That's not my fault, but I still got to deal with, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, right. I don't know what you want me to do. Right. Yeah. I, like, I hear you. When,
0: when we get in like a car accident, it's not like anybody planned that it was an accident and yet both parties need to take responsibility of like are you okay like I remember um one Sunday I was I was at church and it was like the the parking lot was so tight and someone accidentally hit my car and you need to understand I was driving a 2003 Hyundai Hatchback Betty Blue she was my girl and it was a piece of crap. It was a piece of crap car. Got me through a decade. And so anyway, this person leaves a note on my car and said, I am so sorry. I hit your car. Please give me a call. And I looked and I was like, I don't even see a dang thing. Well, small Lake city come in hot. It was actually a gal I went to high school with and we reconnected literally a decade later. <laughs> and now we're like, the best of friends. And we talk like almost every week and it's all because she hit my car and took accountability for hitting my car. And I was like, you know what? Betty loves kisses now and then. So no problem. (laughs) And I just put it and
1: and, Right. And it's crazy because like you can do that. Um, Let me ask you this. So because of all of this, because if you're like um, undercover substitute teaching, because of this, you have teamed up with a few people and now you guys are working on on a project. Tell me about the project you guys are working on to kind of like, uh, because I'm assuming that it's like helping this combat yes. this issue. So,
0: so there's actually three different ventures that I'm part of okay. because of this undercover substitute teacher. And um, so the first is I do, I go around to different high schools and colleges and I do speaking events and work with the youth on how to find their voice, how to reframe failure, and then, um, how to build that intrinsic self-confidence and what that looks like and what that feels like so that's what I do for a speaking on like my own business and then Howard and I we partnered um, and we created a nonprofit called PQ it's like climbing your own peaks and it's all about helping young people understand what healthy relationships look like and feel like and so we're bringing on um, Therapists and educators and um, psychologists. And we're building out this really robust team of people who um, we're going to create this curriculum and we're going to go do like one hour um, power sessions with these young people to help them understand what are healthy relationships? How do you communicate well? How do you handle conflict? How do you um, understand the earmark- earmarkings of a toxic relationship? And how do you get out of that? And then Peter and I were working on um, Safe Tech, and it's all about helping bridge the gaps between um, what is safe technology and what is toxic technology, and how do you navigate that? How do you engage in it in a healthy way? How do you put healthy boundaries around that? And so um, those are the three different things that I'm involved in, all because of undercover substitute teaching, and it is a legitimate delight.
1: Now what, now what, uh, you left corporate, I I mean, you talked a little bit about this, but still walk me through, like, what gave you the itch to like, go do that? Like why, what, what made you think like, "Ah, I don't want to do this anymore. This guy, these guys crapped the bed. You know what? I'm going to go undercover substitute teaching. That wouldn't have been my first thought.
0: Well, you know, I've always had this really tender spot for teenagers and it's such a dynamic spot in life. And I. I just thought if I'm not going to invest in this generation, who's going to invest in my kids? Who's going to like, if I don't put my hand out now, who's going to help my children down the road? Because I'm going to be this old little geezer and I need this rising generation to be the ones to be like, let's ride. Like we're good. Let's go. Let's let's conquer the world. Let's create, let's innovate. Let's, let's do all of these beautiful things. But if I don't reach out now, who's going to reach out to my children in 20 years? And so that's what really motivated me. I was like, if I don't invest in them now, who else is going to? Because what I've seen is there's a big disconnect between um, that adult mentorship and the teens. And I was like, if I can even just have like a small ripple in that impact, I'm about it. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. I love that. And, and, and truly I think it's a really good opportunity for everybody because I think when you talk about like what you can do for kids, I think it really comes down to that. Like if there's one thing that like, I mean, there's only two things that I want to teach my daughter and it's that they both come from like, you know, cause I learned it in stoicism. So that's where I got it from. But like this idea that, ra- you know, radical accountability and then you just, and then I got it tattooed on me. The the phrase amor fati, which is the love of fate, which is like, dude, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. What good or bad, like, because that's karma, right? I think the best definition of karma I ever heard, I don't know if you're familiar with the UFC, but who would have thought that you would have learned something so philosophical in the UFC. But um, there was a fighter who just won and, they were, and there was a big, are you familiar with the UFC?
0: Uh, I mean, little, like the martial arts stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if I said, like, if I said a couple of fighters' names, like Dustin Poirier, Connor McGregor, have you ever heard those names?
0: I'm sure they're great.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, they were fighting, big rivalry, uh, humongous fight. And Connor goes in, they, they were talking a lot of crap back and forth, a lot of crap. Connor goes in, kicks Dustin, and breaks his leg, like, snaps his leg. Like, he goes, kicks him, and his leg wraps around Dustin's leg, kind of like broke, broke his whole thing. And, uh, Anyway, it was crazy because there was supposed to be a big fight. Like, Connor was talking all this mad crap. Like, anyway. But anyway, Dustin wins by medical stoppage. And then gets on the mic and he says, "Karma's not a bitch. She's a mirror. And I was like, if that's not the definition of karma. Because it's true. Like, what is karma? It's you repeating your actions and habits every day until you get exactly what you deserve. And people think that there's, a, that's like a mean thing. Like, no, because if I deserved goodness in my life, that's because I, my actions and habits that I lived every day were a good thing. Right. Like I, I deserved that. Like I got that. And then, uh, and then, you know, and karma's not a karma and it's what it's in, in, in Buddhism and in Hinduism, it's karma. In Christianity, it's the law of the harvest, which is you reap what you sow. Right. But it's not a piggy bank because you can reap all these things and still get, and still get a bad crop one day. And there's, and that's it. That's just got, you know what I mean? And so it's very interesting, but that's what I, that's what I teach. That's what, that's the only thing I want to teach my kids because it's like, that's what will carry you. Like if you get hit, if you get to a point and experience you've never been to like these kids, right? You get to these things where like, I've never been in a corporate job. You know, it's crazy. Nobody in my life has been in this kind of situation. So I need to blaze through. Well, what, what I think are the most important things are radical accountability and acceptance, which would drive you to ask a question to your HR manager who's there to help you. That's the, that's literally the job description, (laughs) protect the company from legal help our people, please. Like that's (laughs) for the most part, I know it gets longer than that, but like protect the company, protect our employees.
0: Like you need to make sure that you show up for these employees because these employees, like this is totally new terrain to them, regardless if you've been in, the corporate world for five years or 20 years, if you're changing to a different company, it is a new landscape, you have new jargon, you have new people, you have a n- new leadership team. So there's lots of things that people have to digest. And it's taking that ownership of like, help me understand this, help me understand what, what this means, or I didn't quite catch that. Could you say that in a different way? And it's like, oh, yes, yeah, I I with you. yeah. Thank yeah.
1: Yeah, most people are the most people that I've met in life are pretty reasonable like, you know, 95%, you're going to get 5% who aren't. And when you meet that person, you know, you've actually, uh, what is it called? It's, it's a, um, finite arrival, which is like, if you meet a person who's a real big douche, that means you've eliminated one person <laughs> from the pool of people who are nice. And so now you're actually in a better spot than you were before. That's what I, that's how I look at it. <laughs> it's a, old supply chain it's like a supply chain thing like when you anyway but like it's finite arrival it's like if you meet one douche you've eliminated that and you've actually expanded the pool of people who can be nice to you it's actually a really good thing so yeah it's a great
0: thing yeah find your people find your people who treat you with respect and kindness yeah yeah
1: and it's It's great when I meet someone who's not nice because now I know right like my pool of people who have potential to be nice to me has just gotten bigger because I've eliminated something so anyway, it's a, uh, it's, it's wild and good for you guys. I think that's so important. I think that, um, I think we're finally turning the tide on like, and I'm really glad you checked me too. Cause I was like, you're right. It's not blaming you can, we can all blame the administrators and the teachers or the parents or whoever, but like, we need to help these kids. Cause like, if we keep bitching about pointing, pointing fingers, like these kids are still going to be in trouble. Yeah. So I like it. At the end of the day, good for it's you. that
0: radical yeah. accountability. How am I interacting? Yeah. It's like, my kid with the youth with my coworkers how am i showing that life can be very different and and having those expectations i mean there's some i it was such a contrast between those who did and did not have a cell phone policy and an attendance policy oh man there were some that yeah. didn't have an attendance policy and i was like uh, that
1: that blows my mind
0: that's different that's that different. blows and my mind Mm -hmm. like you
1: have an attendance policy teacher (laughs) like these things are not bad for kids they don't they're not detrimental for kids right like telling a kid that they have responsibilities and teaching them that (laughs) is like life i mean like what's crazy is like my brother learned that's the hard way you even have that if you get thrown in jail you don't even escape responsibility if you go to jail (laughs) <laughs> See? These are all i'm being the for real like i'm not no. <laughs> i'm not even i'm not even trying to be facetious i'm being like i'm being legitimate like you're never escaping this at any point in in time so you might as well not that we want people to go to jail but i it's just a crazy you know what i mean right right that, it's, that's it's a, just that's a, a <laughs>
0: strong that's a strong point you just made there where it's like listen <laughs> there's responsibility every single place you go and every single place yeah. you land even in jail <laughs> You have responsibility. So pick your
1: responsibility wisely. Right, right. And like figure out how you're going to do that. Because that's, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. But uh, okay. Well, good for you guys. Good for you and Howard. I love Inger. I love Howard. Love everything that's going on there. I can't wait for Safe Tech. Can't wait for all of these things uh, to shed some really good light on that. So I appreciate it. But before I let you go, Carolyn, amazing stories, amazing stuff. How can everybody follow you? where can they get involved if they wanna get involved, all that good stuff?
0: Yeah, great. Uh, So people can reach out at carolynwilliams.com. I have two N's on Carolyn, Uh, carolynwilliams.com and then LinkedIn, happy to connect there. Also happy to connect on um, Instagram. I periodically will post videos there. So um, those are a few places that people can connect.
1: Love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Carolyn.
0: Thanks, Dalton. It was awesome. Thanks for having me.